Hello everybody, my name is Eric Mercier, I am co-owner of Juice Imports, and today I'm going to walk you through the December edition of our Natural Wine Club. The lineup today is absolutely stunning. This is one of my favorite lineups in the sense that it is completely joyous. We've decided to go for wines that are fun. Uh, I think like a lot of you, I'm definitely feeling the weight of the world Uh you know, feeling exhausted from keeping up with the news and trying to continue improving, you know, both as a business and as an individual. Uh, and it's, you know, it's really starting to weigh and in an attempt to maintain some level of positivity and, and hope and joy, uh, I've chosen three of perhaps the most celebratory wines in our portfolio. Uh, things that just inspire uh, levity and, and uh, I don't know, frivolousness. And it's, I, again, I, I think that we all need this wine club right now. It's the perfect one for this moment, at least for me. Hopefully you agree. <laughs> uh, so the first wine we have is a sparkling wine. It's been a while since we've had a sparkling wine. We had a lot of requests for some bubbles and we figured, uh, yeah, who are we to say no? Uh, so we've uh, gone out of our way and tracked down a really epic bottle of bubbles from California. Um, this comes from our friends at uh, Los Chuchac sorry, Chuchakis. Uh, it's a sparkling Albarino. Uh, mead. It's a collaboration between a couple different people, but uh, Andrew is sort of the guy that we talk to for the most part. And then Ryan Sturm does a, a significant portion of the winemaking, whose name you'll recognize from previous wines uh, that we've had in the club under his own name. So this little collaborative effort is to make, again, sort of these joyous, sort of frivolous styles of wine do an ode to old California and some of the great varieties that either used to be planted here or definitely deserve to be uh, planted here. Um, we've talked about this before, but a lot of people think of California as, you know, the place to get Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc. But realistically, the people who were immigrating to California hundreds of years ago, uh, the colonizers were not French, uh, for the most part. There's a lot of German, uh, a lot of Spanish, um, and so they brought their great varieties with them. Lots of Italian immigrants as well, too. Uh, so you would actually expect to see a lot more um, Spanish, German, and Italian grape varieties than we do now. And again, lo and behold, back in the day, there used to be tons of these grape varieties planted. Uh, but it's the unfortunate thing about modern, <laughs> the modern world is that uh, is things become commoditized really quickly. And so once certain grapes became household names, uh, like Cabernet Sauvignon, everybody ripped up everything that people hadn't heard of before, regardless of its potential for quality. And uh, we have a much more monotonous wine landscape because of it. Fortunately, there are people like uh, like Andrew and Ryan who are like, no, we definitely need to continue supporting these cool grape varieties that do incredibly well in the climate um, and just make really delicious things. So this is coming from two different vineyards from completely different climates, essentially. One is coming from uh, Rorick's Heritage Vineyard. I don't know if uh, any of you have been in the club long enough to remember, but way, way, way back at the start, one of the first wines we ever imported was from a producer called Forlorn Hope, which is actually owned and operated by Matthew Rorick, uh, the farmer for Rorick's Heritage Vineyard. Um, 
we absolutely adore those wines and, and wish desperately to be able to continue working with them. Unfortunately, for some weird reason, we could not sell them to save our lives. No matter how hard we tried, no matter how much we loved the wines, um, for some reason, it was maybe packaging or the fact that the name was Forlorn Hope, which is again, uh, a little bit gruesome. Uh, <laughs> either way, we tried so hard and it just wasn't working. And so we decided to put it on the back burner. Hopefully one day we'll get to work with Matthew's wines again, because uh, he's an amazing person and his wines are definitely worth being on the market. That's the nice thing about having the wine club is sometimes some of those wines that uh, go, I don't know, unnoticed we get to put them into the wine club and, and people all of a sudden realize like, hey, these are amazing. And so it's just uh, an awesome tool that we have for getting cool wines to, to cool peoples. Anyway, so Matthew is uh, farming some of the Albarino for this particular wine. Uh, he's way up in the Sierra foothills. So really high elevation, um, you know, you're getting close to the, the, the border, essentially. You're up in the mountains, um, you know, higher levels of UV rays, uh, quite dry in a lot of cases, uh, really cool place to be growing grapes. The pictures of the vineyards are absolutely beautiful. Uh, and then the second vineyard is coming from C5 Vineyard in Santa Ynez, which is way further south. Uh, it's, it's just north of LA uh, if you're looking for sort of a you know, a place on a map that you recognize. Um, so just north of LA, you have Santa Ynez. Uh, this area is uh, quite cold. Most people think that Northern California would be colder and Southern California would be hotter, but that's not always the case. And this is a really great example of essentially the coolest climate in all of, uh, you know, all of California can be found down here. And that's because of the coastal influence uh, when you're getting a lot of cool air coming off the ocean to your vineyard, you're able to keep things uh, nice and bright and fresh. And so they've uh, Ryan and Andrew have taken the grapes from uh, from uh, those two sites, uh, crushed them whole cluster into stainless steel, and then uh, fermented it there. Uh, they kept a small amount of the juice. Uh, so when they just pressed the grapes, they kept some of the Albarino juice and froze it. And then in the springtime, when they were getting ready to uh, make this thing bubbly, they added some of that frozen juice back to the bottle. That juice started fermenting in the bottle uh, because it still had some sugar and some yeast and all those really good things that we love for fermentation. Um, and, you know, undergoing that fermentation in a bottle with a crown cap, there's nowhere for the CO2 to escape to. Uh, and so you end up with a wine that's naturally carb carbonated. They haven't added anything other than Albarino, just grapes <laughs> and just grapes from the same vineyard, same site. You know, nothing altered about it other than the fact that it was frozen for a, a couple months to, to hang out. Um, this wine has about three atmospheres of pressure. So a little bit more than, than half of what you'd see in uh, a place like Champagne, for instance, that has uh, usually has... Uh, five atmospheres of pressure, so quite bubbly. Uh, this is going to be a little more soft bubble. It's meant to emphasize the fruit characteristics. This style, as opposed to champagne um, or even cava to a lesser degree, is going to be focused on fruit versus uh, champagne is 
often focused on minerality uh, and on autolytic characteristics, so yeast flavors. This will have way less yeast flavor than champagne, still definitely some because they're not disgorging, meaning that they're actually leaving um, the yeast in the bottle, so you're going to end up with a you know slightly creamy quality, um, but not as much as you would in like something like a vintage champagne that usually can be quite creamy, quite toasty, brioche all those sort of characteristics. This is going to be more emph uh, emphasis on fruit. And for me, Albarino really has, has yellow fruit characteristics. Um, it's got a peachiness to it, uh, lots of really ripe lemon. Uh, it's not necessarily a tart lemon. It's like kind of a sweet lemon drop kind of quality to it. Um, and then some herbaceous qualities in there as well. And I think that's mostly coming from the site rather than the grape variety. But yeah, super fun. Um, I'm trying to remember the story of the label. I'll have to maybe look it up and then send it to you, to you folks afterwards. But uh, I'm pretty sure this is a, a tattoo artist in um, uh, somewhere in the Bay Area. I think in Oakland, actually. Um, I think uh, this is a, a portrait that the tattoo artist did of his wife, and they decided that it would be super awesome uh, for this label. I think it's pretty rad. I would like, uh, you know, a, a peacock uh, as a hair accessory. I think that's pretty, you know, that's, that's just the right amount of bougie for me. Uh, yeah, definitely one of my favorite labels in the portfolio. I think it captures the whimsy in this wine. Uh, sparkling wines are incredibly pairable with foods as well, so don't be shy about opening this with a meal. It can definitely stand up to some spicy food, uh, which not all wines can. It can ha uh, handle fat, so don't be afraid of deep-fried things. Uh, it's just going to go well with pretty much everything. Uh, next on the docket today, again, we're going fun. We're going three fun wines. That's all I want right now is to have fun. Uh, so we have Else Pinot Gris. Uh, we haven't had a Pinot Gris in the wine club in a while, I feel. I, I would have to go back in my notes to see the last time that we've seen one, but uh, definitely no Albarino ever in the wine club. And then Pinot Gris, it's been a while. So this is really cool that we get to show off some, some new things that people haven't seen uh, new flavors, you know, new experiences. Uh, this is coming from our friend Kelsey. Um, her and her family live at Echo Bay in, um, in the Okanagan, just north of Okanagan Falls. This area is super beautiful. Uh, it was sort of her family's little kind of like homesteading project. There used to be horses on the property, but they've converted where the horses used to live uh, into a small vineyard. So they're making the Echo Bay wines there, which are mostly sort of Bordeaux-focused. Uh, so Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, uh, as well as all the other classic um, Bordeaux grape varieties. And the wines tend to be quite serious and quite powerful and have lots of, of aging potential uh, and are also not inexpensive. And so Kelsey decided that she wanted to make some wines uh, from somewhere else, uh, hence the name Else. And, uh, and so she reached out to a couple of her friends who were grape growers all across the Okanagan, was able to purchase some fruit for them and make some wines that are maybe a little less serious, but definitely more whimsical, uh, more jovial, definitely a style of wine that I like to drink. We've been hanging out with Kelsey for years now. It's super exciting to get to see the way that she's progressed. I think that she's one of the most talented winemakers in the Okanagan. Uh, super thoughtful, incredibly passionate, 
um, very inspired to do really good work. Uh, you know, when you see the way that she walks around the vineyard and the way that she interacts with the vines, it's really like they are her children. Uh, you know, she really knows like, oh, this part of the vineyard, uh, the soils are a little bit wetter. So, you know, it tends to get a little bit more green over here versus over here. They tend to struggle a little bit, but that's okay. The fruit tastes really good. Like she can tell you literally about every single square foot of that vineyard. Um, and so I think that really comes through in, in the winemaking as well, uh, where it's that attention to detail yet at the same time, you know, still imparting a lot of uh, character. I think a lot of wines that are made overly technically uh, can seem sterile and maybe they're really delicious, but they don't really have any feeling to them. Uh, there's no there's no sort of soul there. And, you know, I think uh, Kelsey's Else wines definitely have a ton of soul. So this is coming from uh, a farm in Summerland, uh, so just south of... Uh, Kelowna, if you're, you know, unfamiliar with the Okanagan, which I definitely recommend heading out there. We can definitely hook you up with Kelsey. Her little property is great to go for, uh, you know, a wine tasting, go meet her two pigs, Chip and Dale, uh, as well as all the ducks. She has a, a small collection of flying animals that, uh, <laughs> that, you know, all sort of follow her around that get put to bed by their amazing dog, Rue, uh, every night. And it's, uh, it's sort of a little bit of a wonderland. And, you know, the rest of her family's there too. And her parents are just, again, you, you can't ask for better people to, to hang out with and, and be around. Um, so yeah, the, the actual vineyard that they're getting the Pinot Gris from, uh, is, um, in Summerland. So further north, uh, farmed by her friend, Stephen Hacking, um, what they did here was they took whole clusters of grapes, crushed them by foot, so, you know, lightly foot crushing them in order to extract some flavor and some color from the skins, let it sit for a short period of time, and then pressed it off into stainless steel for fermentation. We've talked about it before, but Pinot Gris actually is, uh, is almost a red grape. Uh, everybody's familiar with uh, white wine made from Pinot Gris, but... The gris in Pinot Gris means gray, referring to these almost sort of um, sort of dusty gray, red, pink skins that they that they have. So when you ferment them, even for a short period of time, just with the foot crushing that they did uh, with the skins, you tend to get this sort of golden hue. And I think this wine has one of the most beautiful colors that we've ever gotten in the wine club. So it's uh, it's such a treat, that's for sure. Um, after a short elevage in stainless steel, uh, she bottles it with a really low amount of sulfur, uh, and there's only 129 cases made, but this is actually her big production wine uh, from Else. All her other wines are, you know, usually in the range of 50 to 100 cases, so uh, this is the only one that we actually got enough of for the wine club, and we reached out to her forever ago asking if we could have an allocation. She was kind enough to set aside enough for the wine club. Uh, we're also going to see it on a couple wine lists coming up here in the near future. Uh, if you're in Calgary, you should be really excited about Lonely Mouth, a uh, new Japanese spot that's opening on 17th Ave. Um, our friend Mai is, is doing the list there, and it's looking absolutely spectacular. Uh, plus, the building is is just gorgeous. It's where Ox and Angela used to be, which was a favorite uh, haunt for me for a long time. So you're going to be very excited about going there and, and you know drinking this wine. Um, 
From a flavor perspective, uh, again, this is very like warm and sort of autumnal characteristics, but also fresh. Uh, you know, I remember sort of going for walks first thing in the morning during fall, and you can see the sunshine kind of streaming through these browning leaves. And for me, that's kind of the feeling I get, this sort of joyous exploration of a new season uh, that, you know, little patches of warmth hitting your skin uh, through the canopy. That, that's kind of what I'm getting here. It's the feeling I get when I'm, you know, when I'm drinking this wine. Uh, flavors, again, very orange things. Uh, I think I put like persimmon and clementine on my list, kumquat, oolong tea, uh, lots of those sort of flavors. So there's, there's an earthiness and a warmth to it, but at the same time, very fresh, very light. Uh, you know, we're looking at 11.7% alcohol here. So quite low as far as alcohol goes. Um, when it comes to pairings, you can be pretty free with this as well. I put in a ton of pairing options there, but, um, you know, I think pairing colors together goes really well. Uh, so it's, you know, I think about things like different types of squash. Uh, we recently used this wine in, um, in a tasting uh, with the Dean House here in Calgary, and uh, chef made uh, some amazing plays on uh, like pumpkin and squash and uh, you know sort of going for those autumnal flavors and, and really nailed the uh, the pairing with this um, as far as you know drinking window on on the last two wines you want to drink them quicker rather than slower uh, the wines in, in this one's club are not necessarily to be aged. They're not necessarily to be enjoyed over the course of a couple days. These are low alcohol, bright, fresh, crushable. Uh, they're designed to be drunk, you know, over the course of a night. Uh, they're, they're not, you know, not to say that they're not serious, because I think wines that can't age can also be serious in some cases, and these are really great examples of that. Um, but they're definitely more on the fun side of the, the spectrum, which is, again, the theme of today. Uh, is fun. We have to have some fun. <laughs> um, speaking of fun, the next wine, Mein Klang's Rotter Mulatschak. Uh, we've included the Weisser Mulatschak in Wine Club before, and everybody went crazy for it, so we figured it's only fair that we give its red brother uh, an opportunity to be in the club as well. So a Mulatschak is uh, the local Austrian word for uh, like a really rowdy party. Um, so they essentially just wanted to make uh, an orange wine and a red wine that were like party wines, wines that you could drink all night long with your friends, uh, you know, get a little bit rambunctious uh, and, uh, you know, still be able to function. So even though it's a red wine, it's sitting at 11.5% alcohol. So across the board today, we don't have any wine over 12% alcohol, which is pretty funny. At least I'm pretty sure. I, I have to double check the Alvarino alcohol level, but I'm pretty sure it's like 11.9. So we might have the first wine club ever where all three wines are under 12% alcohol, which is amazing. It's exactly the uh, the thing that I like uh, to see. Uh, I'm sure we'll make sure that we'll, we'll get you something higher alcohol next month. I've already forgotten what I've selected for next month, but I'm pretty sure it's unreal. You can you know, you can trust me on that. Um, so this is coming from Meinklang uh, in Austria. They're just south of Vienna. 
this is a farm that we've talked about many times on the on the podcast. Um, they do such amazing things. Uh, they have hundreds of acres, and most of it is dedicated to things that aren't grapes. So they have cattle on the farm, hence the uh, the bull on the front of this label, uh, as well as pigs and chickens and. Uh, they grow a bunch of other things like wheat. Uh, they grow wheat between the rows of vines in some cases. They actually turn that into the world's only biodynamic beer because they also grow biodynamic hops. Uh, and the whole idea is just to create an ecosystem that's self-sustaining. And the more biodiversity they can get into their vineyard, the more they think that it's going to be resilient uh, to, I don't know, anything bad that can possibly happen. Um you're not going to end up with the, the same pests that you see elsewhere because everything's in balance. When you have a monoculture, it's easy for something like, you know, grasshoppers to come in and eat all your corn or something like that. And, but when you have, you know, this biodiversity, this polyculture, it's way harder for, for one bad thing to come in and, and really make or break um, the actual ecosystem. Uh, in fact, if you want to learn how to do biodynamics, uh, most people go to uh, MindClang to learn. <laughs> they just have the best facility. They've been doing it the longest and on the biggest scale. Uh, not the longest. There are other people who've been doing it for longer. But, you know, at this sort of scale and in this really sort of repeatable, um, you know, science-driven sort of way, uh, they're, they're definitely doing the best. So this is made from two different grape varieties, uh, Zweigelt. Zweigelt, one of my favorite grape varieties, really red-fruited, soft, plummy, a little bit spicy, uh, and Saint Laurent, um, or Saint Laurent, uh, always Saint Laurent because it is very much a, an Austrian grape, um, named after the day of the month that it usually uh, ripens, although that's not quite the case anymore now that we have all the you know climate issues um but it's really light it's even lighter than pinot noir in a lot of ways very delicate very juicy uh very floral reminds me of pinot meunier in some ways um but they blended these two different grapes together so zweigel adding texture and suppleness uh saint laurent adding levity this i don't know kind of like wafting beautiful perfumed characteristic which is just delightful um, they're fermenting it a uh, whole cluster, uh, so it's undergoing sort of semi-carbonic maceration. We've talked about carbonic maceration a million times on the show, but uh, essentially getting more fruit characteristics out of the wine uh, because the grapes are actually fermenting from the inside out. Uh, softens the tannins as well, so this wine is essentially void of tannin. Uh, <laughs> it's just like so dangerously drinkable. I have a hard time not polishing off a bottle in an instant. Um, this vintage is also infinitely better than last vintage. I really liked last vintage. It was sort of dark-fruited, spicy, um, kind of some medicinal characteristics versus this year is just like very pure. Uh, it's just really red and black fruit, um, a little bit of spice to it, but nothing nearly as earthy as there was in the previous vintage. Um, it tends to be a little more stable than last vintage as well, too. But that being said, I still like serving this wine with a little bit of a chill, crush it over an evening. I don't think it really needs to be, you know, sitting on your counter for two, three days. Uh, it's not really going to improve, unfortunately. Uh, it's also not really going to age that well. It's, it's meant to be drunk young. So it's, I definitely say, drink it uh, sooner rather than later. 
Um, again, when it comes to pairings here, it's hard to go wrong. With a wine that's this light and fresh, it's kind of the, the ultimate pizza, pasta, burger, whatever wine. Uh, you know, takeout foods, uh, things that are high in fat. You know, it could even hold up to something that has a little bit of spice to it, which normally red wine, I would never recommend it with spice. Um, but if you get a little bit of a chill on it, I think this is this is great with, uh, you know, different types of curry or whatever you're, you're feeling for that particular night. Uh, other thing to shout out here is uh, it has a crown cap. Um, this is not a sparkling wine. So when you open it and it doesn't bubble, do not send us an email being like, oh, our wine wasn't sparkling. Uh, can we get a new one? It's like, no, they're they're not sparkling. The reason why they put the crown cap on there is just to protect the wine from oxygen. Uh, corks can be defective, and they can even the best corks let in a very small amount of oxygen. Versus this wine, they want to preserve as much freshness as possible. They're not looking for it to evolve in the bottle. They're just looking to capture freshness. And so, a crown cap is a very inexpensive, uh, very reliable. Uh, and uh, I don't know, kind of cute looking way of doing that. So I really like it. I, I think uh, I think the aesthetic of this bottle is, is right on point for what we need this month. Um, I think that's pretty much everything that we have to talk about today. We'll keep it like a, a little bit shorter this month. I guess it's still 25 minutes long, eh? Uh, yeah, it's still rambling. Um, if anybody has any questions about any of the wines, you can feel free to reach out to me. Uh, my email address is eric, E-R-I-K, at juiceimports.com. If anybody has any uh, questions about wine in general, we always have people saying, hey, can you include more uh, generalized wine content in the wine club podcast or, or on anything else? Well, you need to tell us what that is. What do you want to know about? Do you want to know about Fermentation, do you have a question about a certain word, uh, you know, like pruning or limestone or whatever it happens to be related to wine? Uh, if you have any questions about those things, let us know. And on the next podcast, we will address it. We'll talk about it for a couple minutes uh, and make sure everybody's on the same page because we want to share all that good information. Uh, anyways, thanks so much for listening. We'll chat with you again next month. Cheers.